Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro, or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Brawley, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org, or simply download the CCCIV app, you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977 and i'm comforted by people in the scripture like job job lost everything he was the wealthiest man during his days he lost his sheep he lost his oxen he lost his his camels he lost his home he lost his 10 children and when all of that loss happened, what does his wife do? His wife says, just curse God and die. Man, there's a lot of impurity there. What does Job say? Job says this in Job chapter 23, Behold, I go forward, but he is not there, and backward, and I do not perceive him. On the left hand, when he is working, I, 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 I do not behold him. He turns to the right hand, but I do not see him. Job says, I don't understand what he's doing to me. I don't understand why I've lost all of this. This hurts. This trial is difficult. It's too, almost too much for me to bear, but look at what he says in verse 10. It's as though there's this, this epiphany in his spirit and he breaks forth and he says, but he knows the way that I take and when he has tried me, when he has tested me, when he's put me through the fire, I shall come out as gold. Man, that's the outlook that I want. You see, your faith is proved through your trial. God's going to show you exactly what you're made of in the midst of that trial. If you're not in a trial today, you're either coming out of one or going into one. And God wants to do something in the midst of that trial. He wants you to rejoice in his presence. He wants, to he wants you to cling to him like never before. Listen to what Isaiah wrote. He said this, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. This is, he's speaking on behalf of the Lord. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, says the Lord. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. If this were written in today's text, do you know what this text would say? God would say to you, it's going to be all right. I've got you. I've got you. Yes, it's difficult. Yes, the waters are billowing. Yes, they're crashing down on the boat. Yes, you're, you're, you're afraid. Yes, you, you have no hope without me. Yes, the fire burns, but you know what? I got you. None of this is going to overtake you. I've got you. James says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you are met by trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. What is the word faith? The word faith literally means to trust in something. It means to have a confidence in something. And the scripture tells us in Hebrews chapter 11 that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence 
of things not seen. Substance, it's the foundation. It's the building blocks. It's the assurance. It's the basis of. Faith is the basis or the foundation of the things that we place our hope in. The scripture says this about faith. Hebrews chapter 11, without faith, it is impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Book of Habakkuk verse two, or chapter two, verse four says, behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. An assurance, a trust, a confidence that no matter how difficult the storm is today, no matter how hot the fires are today, that God has got you. That's what faith is. God has got you. We all exhibit faith every single day. I don't know if you understand that or not. You, you think, oh, I just don't have the same faith you do, or I don't have a lot of faith. You exhibit faith, you exercise faith every single day. Every time you get in the car, to drive to church or to drive to work, you trust whoever put that car together knew what they were doing and that the tires aren't gonna fall off. All right, you trust the driver next to you in the lane next to you that they know what they're doing, right? You, you trust when you walk through these doors and you sit down, there are, I think, eight air conditioners on this building, maybe nine air conditioners on this building. You're trusting that Bobby, when he built this building, built it strong enough that those air conditioners are not going to squash you like a bug by falling through the, the ceiling. You're exhibiting, you're practicing faith even by just sitting here right now. Every single one of us has faith. That's not a question. The question is, where will you choose to put that faith? Because your faith is only as good as where you've placed that faith. Your faith is only as strong as in whom you place that faith. Some people place their faith in the fact that we're created out of muck and slime and that we evolved from apes. That takes just as much faith to believe as it does to believe that there's a creator who knows me by name and who formed me and knit me in my mother's womb. Both take faith because you cannot observe either one. Do you understand? Your faith is only as strong as the one in whom you place the faith. And the scripture says here that your faith is being tested so that it can produce something, so that there's some fruit that will come out of it. Have you ever thought that maybe what you need in life is not to be comfortable? Maybe you don't need healing. Maybe you don't need that extra money. Maybe God knows that your greatest need is that you feel a little uncomfortable because it drives you into his presence. That maybe you don't need your life to be absent of every single trial, but what you need more than anything is to cling to Jesus, to remember that he's in the boat, to remember that he's in the tent. And so God allows these trials in your life to produce what the apostle, or not the apostle, but what James says here, he calls steadfastness, endurance, perseverance. The purpose of the trial is to prove to you that you can keep running your race, that you're not finished yet, that it can happen. Again, I said this once before, you cannot learn endurance, you have to earn it. It's by blood, sweat, and tears. The only way that marathon runners can, can get faster is they have to run longer. They have to run more. They have to push their bodies beyond the exhaustion point. And the same thing is true of you and I. If we want our faith to grow, that's only going to have, 
happen by being under pressure. And the scripture is filled, literally filled with stories, excuse me, stories of people who tested their faith, who had their faith tested and endured, finished the race, finished to the completion. They were exhausted, but they won the race. Listen to what it says in Romans chapter 15. It says this, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance, steadfastness, and through encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. I want you to write this down in your notes if you're taking them. In Hebrews chapter 11, it's called the Hall of Faith. If you go home and read that, you'll just have a list of people who overcame trials because they trusted in God. They had confidence in God. They placed all of their hope and all of their trust and all of their confidence in a God who was able to deliver them from their trial. Story after story after story after story. But I want to focus on three briefly. The first is a man by the name of Abraham. And Abraham was promised by God that I'm going to form an an amazingly large nation from your seed, from your child. But then God says to Abraham, Abraham, listen, I want you to sacrifice your son to me to prove how much you love me. And so think about that testing of faith just for a moment. God, your promise, you promised that you would build a nation, grow a nation from my child. This is my only child. I don't have another one from which to grow a nation. And I'm already over 100 years old. How, how are you going to do this, God? You're, you're saying you, you've promised me one thing and now you've asked me to give my son to you, to sacrifice him to you. How can this possibly be? So the scripture says in Genesis chapter 22 that Moses makes his way up to a mount called Moriah and he has his son Isaac at his side. They're walking up, walking up the mountain, walking up the hill. And his son looks to his father and says, Dad, I see that you have the wood to burn the offering. I see you have the fire, but we forgot to bring the lamb with us. And Abraham says to his son, God will provide himself the offering. The scripture tells us later that in in Abraham's reasoning, he figured the only way that this could possibly work is God must intend to raise my son from the dead. So I will trust and I will sacrifice, believing that God will raise my son to fulfill his promise. How do you defeat a faith like that? How about the story of three young Hebrew boys, the book of Daniel, by the name of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And a decree has gone forth that whenever the music is played, whenever the band starts to to play, that everyone's to bow down and to worship this idol. And these three boys in the sea of people bowing down and worshiping the idol refuse to bow to worship the idol. And so they heat up a furnace, they heat up an oven, And they bring the the three boys and they say, listen, here's your last chance. You bow down and you worship or we're throwing you into the furnace. And this is how they reply. Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But listen to this. But if not, but even if he doesn't, even if he chooses to to not deliver us, even if we end up in the fire, even if not, Be known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods nor worship the golden image that you have set up. Even if he doesn't deliver us, it's okay. How do you defeat a faith like that? 
And the scripture says that they, the guards bring him and throw them into the fire. The fire was so hot that the guards who brought them there died themselves. But they're the three young men in who went in bound by, by ropes. And inside the fire, the king looks in and he sees a fourth figure. And the ropes have burned away. God with them in the midst of their fire. How about Daniel himself? the book in whom this story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego exists. How about Daniel himself? There's a degree that goes forth. No one can, can, can pray to anyone except for the king for 30 days. And Daniel's custom was to pray three times a day from his, his apartment that overlooked the city. He would open the windows and he would pray three times a day. And so when the decree goes forth, do you know what Daniel does? He goes up, he climbs up into his room, he opens the window and he prays so that everyone can see. Why? Because he believes that God can deliver him. The king says, why have you done this? Don't you know that you're going to be thrown into a den of lions because you refused this decree, you refused this law? And the king says, may the God that you serve deliver you. Daniel spends the entire night with the lions, and in the morning he's still alive. Why? Because his God was with him in the den of lions. God's presence was there. How do you defeat a faith like that? That says, it doesn't matter, throw me to the lions, God's with me there. It doesn't matter, throw me to the fire, God's with me there. It doesn't matter, I'll take my son to the top of the mountain because God is able to raise him from the dead. How do you defeat a faith like that? These are men and women who, who persisted in their faith. They overcame their trial, their trouble, their persecution, their tribulation because they had such trust and confidence and hope in God that it could not be defeated. This is what the book of Hebrews says. It says, by faith, the people crossed the Red Sea on dry ground. By, uh, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. And what more should I say? For time would fail for me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith, they conquered kingdoms through their faith, who through faith enforced justice, who through faith Promise or obtain promises, who through faith stopped the mouths of lions, who through faith quenched the power of fire. They escaped the edge of the sword. They were made strong out of weakness. They became mighty in war. They put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and floggings and chains and imprisonments. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. Man. The world was not worthy because they persisted through their trial with faith. They quenched fire. They stopped the mouths of lions. They conquered kingdoms. They stayed in that marriage. They trusted God for that financial need. They believed God could heal and trusted in God to bring about that. They, they trusted in God to the end. They kept their faith to the end and the world wasn't worthy of them. Oh, that the apostles might write of us in that way. Of whom the world was not worthy because they trusted in God. 
That was the only prerequisite. That's the reason why the world wasn't worthy, because they trusted in God when no one else would. When it seemed ridiculous, when it didn't make sense, they trusted in God, and the world wasn't worthy of them. The author of Hebrews goes on and he writes this. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher, perfecter of our faith. Because they could do it, because they kept the faith, because they overcame their trials by trusting in God. You can do it too. Lay aside the weight in the sin which so easily ensnares you and run with perseverance, with steadfastness, with endurance that race set before you, looking to Jesus, remembering he's in the boat, remembering that he's in the tent, desiring that presence. These saints, they were able to endure what they were able to endure. They were able to stand fast because they had hope. The hope was that Jesus was waiting for them at the finish. The hope was that Jesus was in the boat. The hope was that Jesus was in the tent. Listen to what the scripture says, Romans chapter five. And, and not only that, but we also glory in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. There's that word again, endurance. And perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint. Man, mankind can endure such heartache when they have hope, when there's something to hope in. My friend, let me ask you the question this morning. Is Jesus worth the fire you're going through? Is Jesus worth the storm? Is Jesus worth the heartache? Is Jesus worth every lie that you're being spoken to? Is Jesus worth having your heart walked all over by your spouse? Is Jesus worth being persecuted at work because you won't cheat? Is Jesus worth that trial? Because if he's really your hope, he's going to be worth it, and that hope will not disappoint Which brings us to our last point, and we'll wrap this up. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And now this last verse that we're looking at today, and let steadfastness have its full effect so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That word let, it speaks of a surrender. You need to surrender in the midst of your trial. There are some of you here this morning that are still trying to fight your trial in the flesh and you're holding up swords and clubs and axes and guns and you're trying to meet that trial head on. And what God is calling you to do is to lay down all your carnal weapons of warfare and just trust him to surrender to what God is trying to do in the midst of your trial, to let him have his way in you. Let steadfastness have its full effect. You're the lump of clay. Let him form you just the way you need to be formed. That you may be perfect. The word teleos in the Greek, it speaks of an animal that was fit for sacrifice. Let, let this trial have its full effect on you. Let him have his hands in the clay so that you can be made ready for sacrifice, so that you would be ready to come into the presence of God, so that you may be perfect, teleos, and complete or whole. Whole. Think about that just for a moment. Then in the midst of the trial that you're going through this morning, 
You maybe walk through these doors and you feel like you are not whole. You feel empty. You feel like there are pieces of you that have been broken, that have been lost forever. The scripture says that in the midst of your trial, the purpose for the trial that you're going through today is so that you might be perfect and whole, lacking nothing. God isn't allowing the trial because he hates you because he's trying to withhold his love from you. God is allowing the trial because he loves you. And every reaction, the dross is being pulled away, the face of the goldsmith beaming back up. Here's your last two subpoints. Surrender leads to maturity. Perfect, that word perfect means a mature animal, fit for sacrifice, but it also, secondly, surrender leads to victory. Lacking nothing. That word is the word that was described of an army that was unbeatable. Think about that just for a moment. God is allowing you to go through your trial so that you can be mature, so that you can be whole, and so that you can be unbeatable. That's what the scripture says. So that you can be unbeatable. The scripture, we already looked at John 16, 33. In this world, you will have tribulation, but I have overcome the world. The victory is his, amen? amen? Let me read to you this last text, and we're going to be finished. The apostle Paul writes this, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, as it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to the slaughter. No, but in all of these things, in all of these trials, in all of that tribulation, in all of that heartache, in all of the fire, in all of the storm, in all of those times that I'm alone in the tent, in all of that, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of Christ, which is in, or from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is a promise. So my challenge for you today on this Father's Day is that you lay down your weapons. You give up the fight. You say enough is enough. God, I'm tired of trying to fight my way out of this trial. I surrender to it so that I can learn everything I need to learn in this moment because I know that you're making me mature, you're making me whole, and you're making me unbeatable. Is there anyone here this morning might say, you know what? That's me. I'm so tired of the fight. I want to surrender. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Let steadfastness have its perfect work that you might be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is alive. We thank you that you are the goldsmith looking down into the gold and you're removing the dross. Lord, we surrender to the kiln. We surrender to the forge. We surrender to the fire. 
we surrender to the waves, we surrender in the boat, we surrender in the tent, we say, Lord, we need your presence. Lord, have your way in the midst of this trial. Make me into whom you want me to be. I am yours. I am yours whether in the trial or out. I belong to you and I want to be complete. I want to be whole when I bring myself as an offering. So Lord, have your way in the midst of my heartache. Have your way in the midst of my pain. Have your way in the midst of my sorrow. Have your way in the midst of my doubts. Have your way in the midst of my storm, in the midst of my fire. Have your way. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro, or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Raleigh, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org or simply download the cccib app you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977